0: Hola, this is Raquel, and you're listening to the Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hi everyone, I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and this is your Sunday Sermon. Welcome. We're glad you're here. It is Sunday, February 26th. I'm really thankful that you joined us again this week as we close out our series, Word to the Wise. I hope this has been a helpful and practical series, and I hope you've gained some insight from Proverbs and other sections of Scripture about such topics as a healthy fear for the Lord, wisdom with work, and last week, wisdom with words. We're ending the series today by talking about an important part of our lives, Some of us are married. Some of us are not. Either way, as we talk about wisdom in marriage today, I want to say that the principles we're going to talk about will help you gain wisdom in all of your relationships, not just within the context of marriage. Now, I've got a whole lot more I want to share with you in that. But right now, as always, let us open with a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Almighty God, Lord, thank you for this amazing day that we have breath today, that we can engage you today through your word. Lord, teach us as we wrap up this series about wisdom in marriage. Help us all to understand. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. There's nothing more painful than having unhealthy communication with the one you love. In the communication process, wisdom is knowing what to say and what not to say. And with that in mind, I recently came across a very interesting list titled, 27 Things Not to Say to Your Spouse. Here they are. Let me run through them real quickly. I told you so. Number one, you're just like your mother. You're always in a bad mood. You just don't think. It's your fault. What's wrong with you? All you ever do is complain. I can't do anything to please you. You got what you deserved. Why don't you ever listen to me? Can't you be more responsible? What were you thinking? You're impossible. I don't know why I put up with you. I can talk to you until I'm blue in the face and it doesn't do any good. I can do whatever I like. If you don't like it, you can just leave. Can't you do anything right? Well, that was stupid. All you ever do is think of yourself. If you really loved me, you'd do this. You're such a baby. Turnabout is fair play. You deserve a dose of your own medicine. Hey, what's your problem? I can never understand you. And the last one, the 27th thing you should not say to your spouse is, Do you always have to be right? You know, God designed marriage to be the number one priority in our lives outside of our relationship with the Lord. And if we really want to have a thriving marriage, it's got to begin with valuing our spouse above ourselves. The main text for today is one simple verse, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4. Proverbs 12:4. So open your Bible or Bible app to Proverbs 12:4 and follow along as I read. Here's what it says: An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. Now, with this verse in mind, I want to talk about six key things that will give you a joyful marriage. Okay, here we go. The first one is, a good marriage is a place of sanctity and honor. I see sanctity and honor in Proverbs twelve four. It states that an excellent wife, a man too, for that matter, is the crown. A crown suggests a throne. A crown suggests a kingdom. Have you ever heard the statement, a man's home is his castle? The old familiar quote suggests a place where people can have things that they want. When you're blessed with a good spouse, you'll be as happy as though you were a king or queen. You might get beat down in this world, but when that long day is done and you step wearily into your home, you are royalty. So then receiving respect, honor, and love is a crown. A practical example of this would be when a wife speaks in a respectful, honoring tone, or when a husband speaks in a loving and gentle way, then the home becomes kingly and queenly. It's the fact that while men and women are profoundly different, all of us appreciate receiving honor and respect. If husbands and wives see their differences as endearing rather than annoying, then they'll have a home of honor and respect. But understand this, the devil is out to destroy every home. The devil is out to lure people into things that will hurt and destroy lives. God has given married couples a great gift, and that gift is each other. Every home ought to be a place of honor and sanctity, a place where you can come home and feel like your children and your wife or husband and others are respectful. The next key is this. Attitudes and actions are either a public rebuke or praise. Again, look at Proverbs 12:4. It says, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband. We're either a crown or a crumb. A crown doesn't make a person a king. A crown is just a symbol of something it's a sign that a great honor has taken place. A crown reflects the position bestowed. Our attitudes are crowns. They can become a reflection of who my spouse is. When my attitude is sour, then I'm saying publicly my wife is sour. If I have the time to serve God in ministry, then much of that credit goes to my wife who has put off her own needs to take care of our home so that I can serve the Lord. If I have energy and I'm not always sick, My wife gets the kudos because she plans balanced and healthy meals and makes sure that we're not always just eating fast food. If I'm at peace tonight and if I have a gentle spirit, my wife is to be honored because she has met my intimate needs. There's always ways that a husband may crown his wife. Dear lady, hear me today. If you have a husband who willingly provides for your housing, food, and transportation needs, you ought to praise him. You may also be earning some income and that is awesome. But God has designed the husband to be accountable, and therefore, you should not have to bear that burden. When an attitude is moody, grumpy, and crabby, it's a public rebuke to our spouse that they're not meeting our needs. When we walk around in a sour expression, it's as if we're saying to everybody, if I had a better husband or a better wife, things would be way better. A crown is a visible symbol. It's the thing that everybody sees first. When you see a person with this beautiful crown, your eyes are drawn to the crown our tone, our choice of words, our facial expressions, they're all crowns. We represent our spouse, therefore we should be a positive reflection. And not only should we avoid correcting each other in public, respect should be given and noticed in the home as well. When the children sass their dad, mom, you ought to be up in those kids face and straighten that thing out right away and vice versa. One day when I was a junior teen boy, I got the idea that I could call my mom the old lady So one evening after my dad came home from work, I said that phrase to my mom and my dad looked at me, man, his eyes were like laser beams. And he said, excuse me, what did you just call your mom? Now, about that time, his lips started getting real tight, you know, rolled back and his jaw tightened. And I knew the hammer was about to fall because he was getting up out of his chair. And it did. I got my mouth washed out with soap. And let me tell you what, that soap went so far in between my teeth, I was blowing bubbles for a week no kidding. And from that day forward, I said to myself, self, since I value my life, I will never say that again. Make sure that your home is a place of sanctity. Make sure that others recognize that this is the place where the husband is honored and where the wife is esteemed. The third key to a successful marriage is this. Strong Christians make for strong marriages. Again, Proverbs 12:4, an excellent wife is the crown. As you can see, this verse states that crowns belong to excellent people. Another word for excellent here is virtuous. Notice the integrity. Notice the moral fiber of this man and this woman. They are people of virtue. In their personal world, they have a walk with God. They have time to praise with God, a time in the word, and they worship God consistently. We have a responsibility, beloved, to be close to God for our spouse's sake. Your spouse needs a spiritual husband and or wife. Strong Christians should not only have their private world in order, but also their public. Good Christian husbands are men who are hard workers, provide security, and are good managers of the household money. The wife is resourceful, a good saver and helper, perhaps a contributor financially as well, but also a strong contributor to the hopes and dreams for the family. We also ought to be strong Christians that are faithful to church and ministry. We ought to be the kind of people that when we have a God-given task, It becomes a sacred duty, whether you are stacking chairs, whether you are greeting someone, whether you're on a more visible ministry like a worship team or giving devotions. It doesn't matter what we do should be done as if it is a sacred duty unto the Lord. Now, I'm convinced that if we are having marital issues, the first and most important thing to do is get spiritual. Two spiritual people have a greater possibility of working things out than one worldly and one spiritual or both worldly for that matter. If you can both get as spiritual as you possibly can, I have just got to believe that even in the absence of compatibility, somehow you're going to make it work. Since God tells us that we can love even our enemies, then surely we can learn to love our spouse. Godly character is the greatest way to make a great marriage. The fourth key to a joyful marriage is this. There is a one woman, one man commitment. Again, Proverbs 12, 4. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. To be my spouse's joy and crown, there must be a one-man-to-one-woman commitment. It clearly states that an excellent woman is a crown to her husband, not another woman's husband. It's his wife. His eyes are for her only. A woman's heart is for her husband only. Let me ask you this, beloved. Where's your heart today? Does your friend have your heart, or your husband's? Does your mom still have your heart, or have you given it to your wife? Is your heart with someone at work or home? And let me say, I have heard recently more people referring to work wives and work husbands. We need to stop that. That is not biblical in any way, shape, or form. I understand what it means, but we as Christians need to stop, because the people I'm hearing it from lately are supposedly Christians. That just needs to be out of our vocabulary in Exodus 20 verse 17 commandment number 10 of the Ten Commandments reads you shall not covet your neighbors and there's a whole list of things but the point I want to draw you to is this you shall not covet your neighbors wife we are to never ever think that we would be better off with another person's husband or wife we need to recognize that God has already given us everything we need for our happiness There should be an intentional faithfulness for the body, soul, and spirit of our spouse. There has never been a day when temptation has been so convenient and so wide ranging. We must not cheat on our spouse, either physically or emotionally. Now here's a rhetorical question I don't expect you to answer, just think about it. Are you more loyal to anybody else than to your spouse? And what would your spouse say? Do you have more of a connection with a friend mother or daughter than your husband? Brother, are you closer to your buds than your bride? There must be nothing or no one that comes between a husband and a wife. This is our highest priority. Our eyes and our commitment should be to them. Barbara Bush, former first lady, once gave a commencement address at Wellesley College. In her speech, she said some powerful words about marriage, and this is what I want to share, and I quote, as important as your obligation is as a doctor, a lawyer, or a business leader, your human connections with your spouse, your children, and your friends are the most important investments you'll ever make. At the end of your life, you will never regret not having passed one more test, not winning one more verdict, or not closing one more deal. But you will regret time not spent with your spouse. End quote. May God give us a steadfast commitment to our spouse. Amen. Amen. The fifth key is this. Each is supportive of each other's roles. If I'm going to do marriage wisdom's way, I'm going to be supportive of the roles of a husband and wife. You cannot read Proverbs 12.4 without realizing that there are some definite roles that are defined. In this verse, the husband is depicted as the head and the wife as the crown. A crown can't function unless there's a head. A head just doesn't have the same influence without a crown. The husband willingly assumes the role of spiritual leader. First Peter 5.2, Peter reminds aspiring pastors that they should take the oversight. Don't just sit there and twiddle your thumbs. Take it. Embrace it. My dad didn't become a Christian until right before he died. He wasn't the godly father by scriptural standards, but he was a very good man and a really good dad. But we never had family Bible time. Yes, we went to church every Sunday from zero to 21 years of my life. He even taught sixth grade Sunday school for 11 years. But Bible teaching and praying, they were absent from my home. The biblical guidance we're getting here says to the husbands, you ought to tell your family what time family Bible is. You ought to help your children have a schedule that will assist them in having a godly life. You ought to make sure that there is time for dinner when everyone sits down together and cell phones and all electronic devices off to the side. And you ought to make sure that there is Christ honoring music in your home. Husbands, Ephesians 5.23 says, you are the head of your wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Men, if you will take the leadership, your wife will follow. You've got to be lovingly stronger than her. You've got to be the strongest one in the family. Strength is not meanness or harshness or loudness, but godly determination. If you can't get the family to come to church with you, then maybe you ought to analyze your approach. Last time I checked, When a leader says something, followers are supposed to do it. If you can't get them to listen, that may be your problem, not theirs. You're the spiritual leader. Your wife is the crown, and she is going to shine if you will be the head. Now, sweet sister, you should support your husband cheerfully. And for those of you that do, thank you for that. Trust God to work on his heart. Reject an independent spirit. Get behind him and be the crown. The husband's role in scripture is very clear and definite. He is accountable to God, but the wife also has a role. Sadly, in today's world, many husbands would love to lead, but there's so much contention in the home. It's like trying to fight through a tornado. You could hardly make any headway. Come on now, ladies, get behind him, be his cheerleader, and then watch God do mighty things through your humility. Trust God with your heart. Trust God with your future. Trust God with your hurts. Let's make sure that we're the kind of people that support one another in our God-given roles. We make our life what we want it to be. We can't change God's roles. There's something he put into play, but we can change our attitude about them and watch him work in a really wonderful way. And lastly, the sixth key to a joyful marriage is this, avoid an unholy life. Proverbs 12, the last part of verse 4 says, But she who causes shame is like rottenness to his bones. The sinful, unbiblical life of your spouse is as miserable as it gets. In fact, in this verse, God states that such a marriage is like rottenness, like cancer. You know that the marrow of the bone is that which supports disease-fighting capabilities. Once disease rots the bone, the treatment options are limited, and they can be really painful and really invasive. This is a sobering illustration when applied to a marriage relationship. There are four unholy influences that destroy a happy marriage. Let's talk about it. The first is a worldly spirit. When a husband or wife gets captured by carnality, gets captured by the flesh, it affects so many areas. It could be gambling, clubbing, social drinking, or skipping church. However it may be expressed, when a husband or wife gets this spirit, it seems to affect everyone around them. The second unholy influence is a lazy spirit. Laziness is not usually isolated to one area of a person's life, and it doesn't just affect that person only. When a husband or wife is lazy in the area of their appearance, for example, it can foster a deep unhappiness. Wives, please remember that men are hardwired with masculine eyeballs. They're visually stimulated. Please don't wear a nightgown to bed that's 30 years old and looks like it's been through the baby battlefield. Give that guy a break. And brothers, oh my brothers, don't let yourselves go either. Realizing that sitting on the couch unshaven for five days and showered for seven creates a suspicious odor. It's not attractive to your wife or any human being. Take care of your personal hygiene, guys. Now, I know this doesn't sound like real spiritual stuff, but keep it up and keep improving yourselves physically. That's a way to be our spouse's joy and crown. Laziness can also be seen when we're short on spiritual disciplines, such as meditating on scripture, tithing, and rising early to get a word from the Lord. It can also be seen when a husband is slack vocationally or won't do what it takes to go to the next level or even get a second job if necessary, or maybe won't work at all. These are sure ways to destroy the joy in a home. The third unholy influence is an extravagant spirit. Materialism kills the spirit of our spouse. When we ruin the financial peace of our home by credit card spending or increasing our debt load for stuff, it is disheartening to the spouse, to say the least. A lack of contentment on our part will drive our spouse to a never-ending pursuit to try and please us. And the fourth unholy influence that will destroy a marriage is a lustful spirit. This is just such a gut punch to a marriage. There's nothing more betraying than to find out that your spouse has been unfaithful. Whether it is emotional or actual, cheating is a terrible disservice to the one who's given their life to serve and to be your companion. An unholy husband is a great grief to a godly wife. It breaks her heart deeply. She is a tender and sensitive vessel. In fact, God calls her a weaker vessel. An unholy wife is a great disappointment to a godly husband. It is tragic when a good man has to hang his head in public shame because his wife is not a godly woman. In private, his soul is in agony. We must stay clear of anything and everything that tries to steal the honor of our marriage. So let's recap real quickly the six things that we've talked about today for a successful marriage. They are, number one, a good marriage is a place of sanctity and honor. Number two, our attitudes and actions are either a public rebuke or praise. Number three, strong Christians make for strong marriages. Number four, there is a one woman, one man commitment. Number five, each is supportive of each other's roles. And lastly, avoid an unholy life. The late pastor, Dr. E.V. Hill, formerly of Central Los Angeles, was caught up in the midst of incredible racial tension. Even though he was a voice for righteousness, calm, and reconciliation, he got a threatening call saying that he would be killed if he didn't stop. He realized enough to know that this was not an idle threat. The people who called said they would bomb his car if he didn't quit. The very next day when he went outside, he noticed his car wasn't there. Just then he saw his wife driving up in the car. He ran out to her and cried out, What are you doing? She looked him in the eye and said, Honey, I wanted to make sure that there was no bomb in this car that could explode on you. Now that, dear friends, is truly a crown. Proverbs 12.4 says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. As we close out this sermon series, here's a word to the wise. May God help us to be a crown and a joy to our spouse. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church, real people, a real God, real hope.